0: Welcome to Emrans Podcast, episode number 93. This is your host Suman Silwal. If you want to make some change in your life and you want to
1: start running or you want to eat healthier or you want to lose weight, you have to start by doing
0: something Visit emrons.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, get race photos, and much more. I'd like to welcome Josh Lozani from Tevedo, Louisiana, to Imran's podcast. Uh, I I had a pleasure to meet you down in Louisiana. It was uh, when we ran the Louisiana Marathon. uh, I saw you uh, at that... uh, podcast uh open session you kept, kept mm-hmm. on talking and then we're like who's this guy <laughs> <laughs> it's hard
1: to shut me up sometimes buddy yeah uh,
0: you're too you're so passionate about the things you talk about and then i was like i kept on listening i was like i need to figure out who you are uh and and here we are uh how did you run at the louisiana marathon
1: it was amazing i i mean i re- it's the first bib that i've put on In months, because I've been nursing an injury since since my last marathon in Liverpool, England. And so I've been sort of hurt since then. So I paced a friend uh, who wanted to run, I think, sub 230 and a half. And so that's what I did. I I just paced my buddy and it was a, a good long run for me and nice training run and helped him get his PR. So it was a wonderful, wonderful run.
0: I loved it. Sounds like win-win for you, getting some oh, run man, and help man. helping others. So
1: that's exactly right. I <laughs> loved
0: it. <laughs> that's definitely just uh, before we move forward uh, in this interview. Uh, let's just put some of the things out. You have lost. Uh, you said more than two hundred thirty pounds. Uh, some around that. Yeah, right.
1: It. At- yeah, right at 2:30. Yeah,
0: and um, along the way, you lost this uh, all this weight. Uh, you develop a passion from running, and and uh, develop a passion for eating healthy, plant based diet. I think that's kind of where you are. Uh, let's talk about uh, your running journey. Let's start from there. Uh, how did you manage to start running? You know, 230 pounds. So what was your initial you weight? As you
1: can imagine, like as a as a 400 plus pound guy, I, I, t- I topped out around two around 420. So as a 400 plus pound guy, you can imagine that the the furthest thing from my mind was I was going to become a runner, much less an ultra marathoner and a plant based ultra marathoner at that. But back then, what got me into running was my desire to really sort of ramp up the rate at which my body was going to lose body fat. That's what started it all for me. Um, I read an article, I think it was either Runner's World or Men's Fitness magazine that said that those long sort of low intensity cardiovascular sessions like running or hiking walking something where you don't really spike the heart rate you just kind of keep it you know in that zone two level that you really put the body into a fat burning mode and i was like well wow i like the way that sounds and so back then I was a little too heavy to do the running so much, or at least I thought I was. I was scared to do the running because I was so heavy. So I was doing, you know, f- sessions of 50 minutes or better on the elliptical machine, which would get me good and sweaty. Then I would get on the treadmill and do five minutes on a treadmill um, slower than five miles an hour. That's uh, about all a treadmill could handle of me back then. Um, and so the treadmill at the gym I was at actually – sort of stopped working for me because I was trying to go longer than just a few minutes. And I was trying to go a little faster than five miles an hour. And I was still probably 380 pounds at that time. And so the gym owner, he's like, hey, you're going to burn up the machine if you don't keep it under five miles an hour. And I kind of felt like, okay, I need to go outside and run. This equipment isn't really meant for a giant 380 pound guy to be bouncing on it.
0: So, wow. Never heard of that part of the story.
1: Yeah. Well, look, look, this isn't, th- yeah, this isn't typical gym equipment. This is an old school bodybuilder gym and the treadmills they had were like ancient and they were just holding on for dear life by their last, like they were on their last leg
0: <laughs> so <laughs> got
1: you <laughs> so so mr tommy the guy that owned the the, owned the gym he was like he came up to me he's like you know the trick to keep because the the treadmill would just shut off on me and i kept worrying that i was gonna hurt myself because the belt would just stop while i was trying to run and mr tommy came up to me one day while i was getting my smoothie after my workout and he was like hey you know the trick to uh, keeping that treadmill going. I was like, no, sir. He's like, you need to keep it under five miles an hour. And I was like, well, that's not going to work for me. I'm trying to move faster than that. (laughs) So that sort of put me outside for the first time. And so I just started running like from light pole to light pole. I would just jog from one telephone pole to the next and then take a walk break. And I would do that for about a half a mile down to the big the big highway, the bypass road and turn around and come back. And that would be that's where it all really started for me. I would do that after my weightlifting workouts. I mean, all I knew how to do in the gym back then was the stuff that I was taught in my days of playing football. So I was going to the gym and spending the bulk of my time at the gym lifting heavy weights. And then I would spend the last, you know, 30 to to 60 minutes, depending on where I was and what I was doing at that time. Um, doing quote-unquote cardio, which was starting to turn into pretty much exclusively run-slash-walk-jog situation. I called it a jiggle jog back then because my big boobs and my belly rolls would jiggle around a lot. And
0: and so (laughs) –
1: but I was just getting – I was just kind of getting outside and starting to get on the move. And like my football coaches used to say, get on the hop. They would call it, you know, you're not really moving much faster than a walk, but you kind of on the hop, you kind of on a on the jog. And so that's that's where it all began for me, where the running started. And um, it just sort of grew from there. I I, I had a partner, a, a gym partner who I'd who had been this i I'd known since kindergarten. He was my my workout partner at the time. And so he would come with me on my runs. And so it became like what we call down here, like a chance to vellier, you know, to visit. That's what we would do. We would go on these runs and we would vellier. And so it became, for the very first time, like a social thing on top of it being a workout. And I just really dug it. And um and it grew from there to me signing up for my very first race, which was the Crescent City Classic in New Orleans in 2012. Um And that's where... That was my, the very first time I pinned a bib to my shirt, and yeah. I was hooked ever since. It's, I've been, it's been a love affair since then, it, and running is what brought me to, to my current eating protocol. It's what brought me to the mindset I have now. It, it, it has really just changed my life and, and really brought a lot of, some of, a lot of the best friends that you could ever hope for um, into my life that I didn't even know existed.
0: You know. <laughs> Definitely, I, I can relate to your stories and uh, things you do, and the change that that have running has brought to us as a runner. We are share similar stories, but uh, there's so many questions I want to ask uh, before we move forward. But let's just, let me ask mm-hmm. a couple of questions. Uh, one of the thing is, uh, did you ever get a look saying, "Hey, this big guy is trying to run"? D- did it matter to you back then, or or you just it looked like you just continued on? It mattered tremendously.
1: It mattered tremendously because it was a big barrier for me. Like that's why the first race was such a big step for me, because up until that point, I was embarrassed for people to see me outside running. Because at that time, like even though you're working really hard and you're trying, you're still the fat guy running. And it's like you even if people aren't making fun of you you imagine they are, right? Gotcha. And and so I don't need to see someone throwing, you know, weird looks at me. I'm already imagining that everyone is already. And so what I would do is most of the time we would run, we would go on our runs like before daylight. So no one would really see me out there except my one of the very best friends I've ever had in my life, who was my workout partner at the time. He was, you know, right alongside me. As a matter of fact, he walked next to me as I would run, quote, unquote. And it wasn't just how I looked. It was the sounds that I made, you know, because when I jogged my belly flopped and clapped, and my boobs would clap, and my armpits would clap against my top fat roll and make really loud sounds. And so I was a, you know, a flopping, and flapping, and clapping and mess. And so, yes, I was very hyper aware of what other people might be thinking about me if they were to see me running.
0: So, definitely, uh, I usually do the messes uh, towards the end. Uh, I felt like this is the point where you can make a point uh, to the people who think that they cannot do things what you have done overcome uh, what kind of things do you see tell other people what kind of things uh, they should do to overcome such a adversity or you know such a embarrassment you think it's embarrassment and l- now you're looking back probably it's a, one of the motivation and inspiration for a lot so uh, mm-hmm. give us some messages on, on, on your deep down message back back when you think when you look back that those moments uh, what is the message you want to give to our audience
1: the whole reason that I was needing to do the running in the first place was from years it's the reason i had that big fat body was just a manifestation of a deep sort of self-loathing that was secret it was a secret self-loathing because outwardly i was the fat guy but like chris farley or somebody i was the funny happy happy go lucky get drunker than everybody have a good time and cook for the whole house fat guy but deep down I felt powerless to change that, right? And so I was really disgusted with how I looked physically, how I felt physically. And so that's what had me to that point. And so once I started running, and once I started developing this desire to be out there and do it, the way I really sort of overcame what other people were thinking about me was I started to develop this relationship with myself where it turned from a self loathing to sort of a self respect, right? And that sort of admiration admiration for myself was was shocking to me it shocked me and it made me proud And it allowed me to say, you know what, to hell with what other people are thinking, because I'm making me better. If you think that I'm just another flash in the pan guy who's trying to lose weight and I might lose a little bit, but I'm going to put it all back on, hide and watch. You just hide and watch and see if that happens. And so I, I developed a certain degree of moxie, right, during those early days when my nipples were bleeding and my belly fat rolls were clapping and I was huffing and puffing at a 16 minute pace. And so the consistency of of me getting up and doing that and proving to myself that I could do one mile. I could do 1.5 miles. I could do two miles regularly. We stretched out to four miles. And all of that really developed like a trust in myself that I believed that I was going to be able to achieve the things I said I wanted to achieve. And it happened slowly and gradually, but it happened with consistency. Consistency was the fertilizer that grew that mindset. And that's how. So I went from self-loathing to really being able to develop a self-love. And the way you develop that self-love is to develop, to be able to develop trust in yourself and some self-esteem. And that only comes with proving yourself right to yourself by getting up and being consistent with the thing every single day, right? And that's how you overcome what other people think about you.
0: Definitely. Uh, That's so deep. Uh, You kind of yeah. You get in your
1: own corner. That's right. You get in your own corner. You become your own coach. You become your own fan.
0: And and there's nobody can take you out. A lot of time I tell tell people like you know only people can help you is to help yourself first. You know then other people can help you. Yeah. People just
1: get because we live in such a consumer centric culture that people think that all of the things that they need to make massive change in their life and turn around their health outcomes, turn around their obesity is something that they haven't yet discovered that's external, that's outside of themselves. It's the watch they haven't figured out how to buy or find yet. It's the shoes they don't know to use yet. It's the different type of compression shorts that they don't know exist yet. It's the running method that they don't know how to implement yet. But nothing that you need is external. Everything you need is already there. And I didn't know that then. I know that now. And so people that are sitting in that place looking for the thing that's going to change them are looking in the wrong place. Because if you can turn those eyeballs inside of yourself, you can find everything you need if you look at it right inside of your own being right now.
0: Definitely, so true. Let's keep on moving on this uh, journey. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, I don't even want to get out of this conversation yet, but <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> Let's just keep it moving. You talked about your putting your first bib. Uh, I remember putting my first bib. Uh, walk us through uh, your first race, going and lining up and being around the people that that look. You know, you you probably feel more intimidated and look healthy and look faster than you, much faster than you. But you are out there doing stuff because I love the stories of a uh, back of the packer. I, I wait for them and they're, mm-hmm. they're out there longer than uh, any of us uh, combined sometimes. So give us some uh, story on that, uh, your first race.
1: Of course. And so that my very first race was a 10K. And so to give you a point of reference, right now my 10K PR is 39.55. Wow. Back then, in that very first race, my goal was to get it done in under 90 minutes. That was my goal back then to get it done in under 90 minutes. And that very first race, I did so many things wrong. I did everything wrong. I did everything wrong. I wore double cotton shirts. Because I was worried about my titties flapping and all. So I I wore a shirt underneath the shirt (laughs) to tuck into my pants. I wore cargo shorts. I ran in cargo shorts with a tucked in undershirt to try to hold my titties and my my fat rolls in place. I wore a black cotton t-shirt and I put my race bib on the back so people could read what was on my shirt. On the front because it was at that time, I don't know if you're an NFL guy, if you know much about the NFL, but I'm a huge Saints fan. And at that time, our coach had been suspended for this bounty gate that uh, took place. Right. I I remember. So you remember that. So during that race. I was wearing my free Sean Payton shirt. I didn't want to block any of the lettering with my race bib, So I put it on the back. What I didn't realize was that's the only way you can find your photos after the race is with your race bib. So I have no photos of that very first race (laughs) because my race (laughs) bib was on the back. And I'm not about to go search through all of those race photos to find me. So I made that mistake on race day itself. Not to mention the night before. I'm thinking I need to fuel myself for the race. So that means to I was still 320 pounds at that point. So that means to me at that point, that means the night before the race was a complete free-for-all. Eat whatever you want. You hear about car (laughs) bloating and all of that stuff. So we had wine and cheese and steak, and we did the whole thing the night before the race. To put a long story short, we made it difficult on ourselves because – I I went to bed late. I woke up late, got to the start line late. So we were behind the eight ball all the way up until the gun. And then the gun went off and we finally started. And guess what? I'm drinking water in mile one of a 10K and (laughs) I'm stopping to take a leak in mile two. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The thing took me about an hour and 43 minutes. I blew, I mean, I completely didn't make my 90 minute goal that I wanted to make. I ran it in an hour and 43 minutes. But all of that said, like all of that, when I was done, because, and it sucked really bad. Like the last third of that, that 10K was a lot of walking for me, just walking at no jogging at all, just getting through the damn thing. And so when I was done, I was demoralized. I felt like I had really let myself down. Um, but then I got to thinking about it and I was, and I was just really, excited that I finished my first race I could finally stop right I could finally stop and take a and just breathe and once that happened and I had the the metal around my neck I was hooked I was just like, wow. I'm going to do this again. And it wasn't like I'm going to run more races. I want to run the Crescent City Classic again. That was my only aim at that point. I just want to do this race again next year. And um, that's kind of how my very first race day experience
0: went. So when did you uh, decide to jump from 10K to half marathon to full marathon?
1: It was after my second Crescent City Classic. So it was in a full year after that first race, I ran my second one and I wanted to get in under an hour for that one. And when I was able to get in under an hour for that one, I felt like I had built enough capacity, maybe try more distance. And so that's what uh, I did in 2013 after my first sub one hour 10K. So I took a lot of time off of that first one, right? Definitely. Um
0: that's a lot of time the, for yeah, almost right, a year. So,
1: right. And so but I'd also lost a bunch of weight. I had started to go plant based around Lent that year. And so the Crescent City Classic is is on Easter weekend. I was also reading the book Born on the Run at that time. And I learned about Scott Jurek. And so early 2013 is when I went full plant based. I felt amazing. The rest of the weight started flying off. I had kind of stagnated at, at around that, that 300 pound mark. And uh, but once I switched to plant based and once and once I, and once I uh, really started to pick up the pace and like have some some distance goals and my runs became where I was staying out there for longer and longer, the weight just flew off of me. And so I really felt like I was ready to attack my first half marathon, which was a big pill to swallow. You know, um and reading Born to Run helped because I'm sitting here going, Wow, in early two thousand and thirteen, I'm toying with the idea of can I run a half marathon? (laughs) This is more than twice the distance of a 10 K. And when I read born to run, it was like, Oh my God, these people run ultra marathons. And so it was so inspiring that I was like, okay, a half marathons cakewalk. I can do this. This is not like, I'm not reaching the, the edges of human capacity by doing this, you know? So I committed and I ran my first half marathon My very first half marathon was the jazz half in New Orleans, which was in October of 2013. And that half marathon I finished in like two hours and 13 minutes or something. And I felt like I had made some mistakes in that race and that I could really be under two hours, which was a big thing for me, like to go from under an hour, like trying to break an hour in the 10K to trying to break two hours in the half marathon. Within the same year, that was like really big deal for me. And so I figured, hey, I had made an eating mistake for that first half marathon. My belly was way too full on race morning. Um, and, and I was like, oh, I don't think I need to do all of that. And I, I think I made some pacing mistakes in the first one. I was very I think I was too conservative in the first half of that first half marathon. And so I immediately signed up for the Home of Heart and Souls, which was in November to <laughs> follow up you. Right. Gotcha. And so that one, I wanted to come in under two hours. My wife helped pace me to mile eight to help me stay on track. And then I just sort of took off for the last four miles. And I got in at one fifty eight in my in that second half marathon. I was off to the races then. Like I was just I was now I'm like, OK, I want to do you know, I want to do a full marathon, half marathons or something. I, I was started doing regularly and I was starting red, starting to get my eyes you know, set on the prize of my first full marathon, end of 2013.
0: Yeah. Got you. So that's a, that looks like a great journey uh, as a runner going from 10K, almost a year break, and then going to the half and then going back to back. Those are great stories. Uh, I think I'm I'm almost where where you started too. Kind of beginning unknown, getting in, you know, just trying to figure things out is difficult. Uh, you you touched a little bit on on the plant based. Uh, let's just uh, talk about that a little bit, and then we'll come mm-hmm. come back. Ultra distant sure. journey. Uh, let's talk about the plant based. Um, I tried uh, back in 2012. I went from eating. Uh, Golden Corral uh, and then started the New Year's Day that was my resolution uh, going a vegan for almost two and a half years and request of my family because they suffered enough and they don't they didn't want to convert I was vegan pretty much and then I went to vegetarian it's just for all for running so so you know my whole goal was to qualify for Boston I did qualify a couple of times. Bit to Boston of dance for running and lost a lot of pounds. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, over the years, uh, um, my recent uh, Facebook posts, uh, some of my friends they follow me. Uh, they know that I I go this roller coaster of losing so many pounds and gaining back. That has been my difficult. Let's let's talk about the plant based diet. Let's start from the beginning. What is plant based diet?
1: To me, like so, it all started by just going vegan. Just simply going vegan is where I started. And when you go vegan, that means like. You know, there's a lot of really calorically dense processed stuff that is technically vegan. And so when I went from eating the way I was eating to eating that, it was still a big step in the right direction, even though it's way worse than the way I eat today. So but that was the very first step was after eating about uh, Scott Jurek and Born to Run and his, you know, veganized avocado sandwiches and his fanny pack and his Cliff bars and all of that stuff. I just started to mimic that. Right. And I read I read. So but what I did was I drilled down. I read his book after Born to Run and it just he had a a barley chili recipe. And I was like, oh, you can. I never thought about making chili. Okay, that seems easy. Like I was just thinking about how to eat this way, you know. And so I just I just kept reading more and more. And then I read uh, this book called Finding Ultra. By Rich Roll, after reading his book, which, would, which in and of itself was a huge inspiration to me, I began to listen to his podcast. And in that podcast, I learned a lot more about not only a vegan diet, but a real whole food centered, unprocessed sort of oil free protocol. Right. Um, and like if you've ever watched Forks Over Knives, I don't know if you've seen that documentary.
0: I, I've, I've uh, seen that one. Definitely.
1: Right. So Forks Over Knives, just like uh, Born to Run introduced me to Sky Jurek, Forks Over Knives introduced me to T. Colin Campbell and Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn and Dr. Doug Lyle, like in all of these other like luminaries who re- really mean so much to me now and taught me so much just through me learning of them in Forks Over Knives and then drilling down into each one of their careers individually through TED Talks and YouTube videos and other things that they had done, other things that they had put out into the ether, whether it's blog posts, things they've written, their books. And so I just really sort of ate that stuff up. I just loved it and what it was res- what was really resonating with me was what i was learning about the connection be- between chronic disease and the food we eat what i didn't realize was my entire family life was a case study on this because i had seen person after person in my family be obese with heart disease and dead obese with heart disease and die right I'd seen that over and over and over in my life in my very own family. And when I started to see the connection between a lot of the foods that were, you know, quote unquote, family traditions and the health outcomes that these people were saying were connected to those foods, I was like, oh, that's been our problem. <laughs> that's been my problem my whole life as I've been trying to go to meat as because it doesn't have carbs as the solution to our weight and fat, and it, I said, and it just drives me into this spiral. I was like, that's been my issue, and so I really became a student of it, and really, really, not only, you know, adopted a vegan diet, but a whole food, plant based, Esselstyn, Campbell's, and I really found myself wanting to eat in a way that, if Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. Campbell would see it, if they would see my plate, they would be proud of me. (laughs) <laughs> right? And that that mattered to me. And it was just a little mind game that I would play. But I did that same thing with my running because I'm a huge football fan, right? And the Saints won the Super Bowl in 2010, which is right at the beginning of my decision to change my life and try to get fit and healthy and be somewhat of an athlete again, maybe. And so when I would do my running and my training, I always thought about coach in the back of my mind because As in a little an aside here, that second Crescent City Classic where I got in under an hour, Coach Sean Payton was running that Crescent City Classic, and he finished about six minutes ahead of me. And so that really resonated with me, and it was something I was like, ah, Coach is a runner too. And so every time I would train, I would think about what if Coach was standing right here? So you got more than that. You can push more. And so I always played these little mental games to help push me along in my running. Like, is my effort today an effort that coach would pat me on the back for or would he roll his eyes at me for mailing it in? Right. And so I was looking at myself in the same way when I would think about my food. Is this food something that A, is going to help me be the athlete that I'm dreaming of being? And B, is this is this food is on this plate something that if, if Dr. Esselstyn walked into the room right now, would he be proud of what he saw me eating? Would he would he be proud of it? And so I began to craft my food in that way. And it really made a massive difference in how I felt, how I recovered, the speed that I was starting to be able to build in my running was getting like insane. It was going crazy. I was doing things I'd never imagined possible, you know. And and it really took off after. So I stumbled around and sort of processed vegan land for maybe a month or so, two at the most until I stumbled upon forks over knives and really started doing trying to really clean things up and get more whole leafy greens and whole fruits and tubers and beans and grains and those types of things in and less. Of the vegan pizzas and, and vegan cheeses and burgers. Not that those things are completely off the menu, but they have taken the place of like donuts and ice cream that used to be those occasional foods back in the day. Now the occasional foods are like a vegan Processed thing that might be something that I might eat very occasionally very rarely, you know And so the diet is just it for me It just cleaned up as a natural progression because I really saw a connection between how clean I was eating and how strong I was able to run and all of and those two things were really starting to add, you know The weight like I said flew off of me and I was not only I was I was less concerned about weight loss At at that point, after, say, early 2014, after my first full marathon, and I was really more concerned with performance and being competitive in in racing and running and trying to climb and claw my way to the front of the pack just to prove to myself that it can be done. I don't have to stay – not that it's a bad thing, but I don't have to stay in the back or stay in the middle just because I used to be fat. I can charge up to the front with these guys, and if you don't believe me, watch. And that's, <laughs> that really, that that really sort of, you know, that really sort of fueled my fire was the way that I was feeling because of the very clean, uh, whole food, plant based diet that that I was starting to really adhere to and subscribe to.
0: Definitely. Uh, let's uh, let me ask for you a couple of questions here. Uh, do you, uh, cook your own food? Uh, that's one of the, one of the biggest challenges in my house. Uh, um, I've, I, I cook sometime and I've done most of the time these days. Uh, it's, uh, and also it's hard to eat, uh, you know, I mean, you know, for you probably down in Louisiana, here in Birmingham, that's where I am. Uh, it's hard to find, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, we're not out on the West Coast, uh, in you know, San Francisco, yeah. where <laughs> that's a big yeah,
1: that's a big misnomer. It's a big misconception with folks because the way I eat, I don't need a vegan such and such. What I need is a grocery store. That's really all I need is a grocery store. And, and as far as me needing like I don't even need cookbooks. There are some great ones out there with some amazing recipes. Um, but I, that's not really my wheelhouse. That's not really how I prepare my food. I eat very simply. I eat like I have a pot right now in the kitchen of simply red lentils with water, a little bit of chili paste, and some nutritional yeast, and I've got it cooked into a soup. That's it. That's it's just simple. It's not like it's not some you know
0: three course meal
1: and uh... right. It's not <laughs> something. It's or it might be you know I might make my wife because she loves mashed potatoes. I might make a big thing of mashed potatoes, or I might make baked potatoes, or I might make, you know, a pot of black beans and roll it up in some Ezekiel tortillas and put some chopped and put some avocado and onions in there. Right. And make little burritos. Like it's so simple. There's, it's not complicated at all. I just eat the way I would have eaten before, but I just don't put, I just don't put meat or dairy in it. Got you. It's
0: um, just that simple. Yeah, simple. Uh that's what I tell a lot of time uh when I was a vegan even now being a vegetarian people freak out that mm-hmm. they don't know what to eat. Uh I remember going to one of my cousins' house and we 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 grew up eating meat and he had all kind mm-hmm. of meat food but he didn't know what to cook for me he said i didn't know what to cook for you i don't know how to what to cook for you so i just i have not cooked anything he said do you have do you have this simple food uh, some some of this nepali food which is i know that it was a vegan or a vegetarian and he said yeah let's just cook that so we just cooked that simple food like you said the very simple you know food um also sure uh, <laughs> talking about that um vegan Being a vegan, uh, you know, a lot of time uh, they talk about B12. Uh, Do you take any supplements or anything like that to supplement your – I
1: do. I do take B12 just because that's what all of the really smart plant-based doctors say you should do. Um, None of them say that we should do it like on some sort of like uh, religious – strenuous very strict regimen of uh, almost to the man every single one of them says just take a b12 supplement every now and then and so that's really how I do it
0: uh, what about um, any multivitamin or anything no like that? okay
1: no when I because I, when you eat you got to understand this isn't like a, a, a weight-loss trick this is a very nutrient-dense very calorically dilute very fiber-rich water-rich way to eat, which is exactly perfect food for the human animal. And so I I get my – my the amount of greens I get in my life is all the multivitamins I need. I don't know if you've ever read uh, Dr. Greger's How Not to Die, but if you're interested in the minute detail of what we need as far as micro and macronutrients, I would suggest that book. It's an amazing uh, read and he's got a daily dozen a checklist so to speak and a lot of times my daily dozen gets satisfied you know with my first meal of the day because I'll eat like a big bowl of steamed kale with like this morning I had a big bowl of steamed kale with some uh black beans and some barley on top and that's amazing to me that sounds gross to someone who's eaten you know McDonald's every morning for breakfast because there's a huge chasm of difference between caloric density and dopamine release in the brain when you eat those two different foods. I have evolved sort of to that, that way, right? right? And that has become my norm. But no, I don't need vitamins. I would suggest someone read the book Whole to really sort of wrap your mind around what you're doing when you take multivitamins. Yeah, that would help your understanding of your perception that you need to take a multivitamin to, quote-unquote, be safe. You're really peeing out a lot of that stuff that's not really being absorbed into the body. It's it's just your body only takes what it needs exactly when it needs it, not when you take a pill for it.
0: You know? <laughs> Definitely. The next question is one of the biggest and more often we get asked as a vegetarian, vegan, is it, how do you get your protein? And uh, <laughs> I my it.
1: favorite answer, my favorite answer, my favorite quip for that is food. That's how <laughs> people don't understand that cells are made up of protein and like all of the, So everything I eat has protein in it. Everything. The leafy greens, the broccoli, the beans, especially the grains, everything has protein in it. And if you eat a good whole food sourced plant-based diet, you're going to just automatically wind up around 12 to 15 percent of your calories are going to come from protein. We don't need to micromanage our intake of that macronutrient. What we need to do is surrender to what nature has intended for us as food, eat that way, and don't worry about micromanaging our our nutrients like like it's some equalizer board on on a DJ booth that we got to get the perfect sound for. Right. Right. It's not how it works.
0: Right. And to the listener uh, who is who are not vegetarian or vegan, we do not crave for uh, meat.
1: Right. I don't crave it. But I do admit that I can see the fact that. It smells delicious.
0: Exactly. That's what, what I was
1: still, saying. Still, it still smells delicious to me because those, those neurological pathways in my brain between the smell – and the dopamine release from when you eat it those pathways are are there man and and so that they don't go away easily but because i understand the connection between yes there's a delicious connection between that smell and the feelings i used to get from eating it but there's also a more pragmatic connection between what between that smell and what i know it has it has done to my body and the family members that it has compromised and taken from me in an untimely manner. And so, yes, the smell is delicious, but I don't really give a damn. (laughs) I really don't care. It's not about that to me. It's much, much bigger than that to me. And so it's not like self-deprecating to avoid bacon, even though it smells delicious. It's not some sort of, you know, it's not flogging myself or being some sort of martyr. It just is. I understand why bacon smells good. Therefore, I can let it go. I'm not interested in it. I know why my brain is telling me it smells good. I understand the connection and I understand the dynamics of the neuroadaptation that has taken place in my life to make bacon sm- frying smell really good. I understand that. So I'm OK with it. I can let it be what it is and I can move on.
0: Definitely. Yeah. One of the one other thing I tell my family pretty often saying just because I have a I'm a vegetarian, um, that doesn't mean I have to eat a bad food and you know? I can always put a spice on it, uh, <laughs> a chili mm-hmm. on it. Oh, it doesn't know. happen <laughs> right. My, does. just, and I
1: think I think case in point is my mom's gumbo was featured at the Finnish Festival for the Louisiana Marathon. And just it it, it that covers two bases. What you were just talking about. Food doesn't have to suck just because it's plant based and also eat what you eat, eat what you ate before. Just don't put meat or dairy in it. That's all we did. My mom just made a gumbo, but she just didn't put meat or oil in it. It's just that simple. And it's been it's it's amazing and and I love it, you know. So, yeah, it's it's not complicated as people make it out to be.
0: Was that uh, the Whole Food tent? Uh, that's correct. The, that's the one uh, somebody was uh, bamming about. I don't know if you saw that video.
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. I saw that on your Instagram. That's correct. <laughs> that's it.
0: Right. Okay, that's yes. uh, that's what he was telling me. Okay, now it makes sense. Uh, we I do have a recipe of that. I ate a whole bunch. I stayed outside the tent for a while, so I had. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My mom would be happy to hear. Yeah. That. yeah, she was worried about her recipe getting executed properly, <laughs> and she was relieved to hear that it was dang good it was really amazing
0: Talking about that um whenever you cook uh, this uh plant-based diet, uh, is it a cooked food you eat or you're you're not the type where uh where you eat uh, raw all the time correct
1: no i'm not but i do value raw food so i like to eat and i don't really think of it as raw it just is it just is what it is so yeah. i like eating you know fruits and vegetables raw i, I do eat bags of cauliflower and broccoli from the grocery store. Like I'll pop in and grab a bag of cauliflower and broccoli instead of the bag of Doritos like I used to do. So I'll grab cauliflower and broccoli and a big a big sparkling water, a Perrier or a mountain valley sparkling water and a bag of broccoli. So, yeah, that's raw. It's not me trying to eat raw. It's me just snacking. Right. So I'd say a good probably somewhere north of half of all of my food that I do eat is raw in some capacity, whether it's the tomatoes and the mm-hmm. kale in my salad or it's the broccoli and cauliflower that I eat as a snack or the apples that I stop in and grab in the middle of the day as a snack between meals or whatever. I do eat a lot of of raw food i eat, i like i like to go into grocery stores here's another trick like go into a grocery store and go to where the stew carrots are where you can buy the carrots that in, are in individual carrots uh-huh. but they're usually stacked up and they're big and i'll just run into the grocery store And I'll grab one or two big carrots, maybe an apple, a bottle of water, and I'm out, right? So that's a raw meal, basically. But I'm not thinking of it as eating raw. It's just me eating a good, crisp, calorically dilute, fiber-rich, water-rich meal. That's a whole plant food that's just that's in its whole most natural state
0: got you these days one of my uh to go-to food when i come home from work is a cucumber with a red chili and a touch of salt doesn't matter what kind of cucumber i'll just eat that or i'll make a i make ai
1: love those big long english cucumbers those are my favorite <laughs> yeah i it, love those things
0: it doesn't matter it's, as long as it's a cucumber i can um, munch on it it's good and also i use uh, uh, a
1: cucumbers like a carrot just eat it just like that just of eat a cucumber like a carrot or a banana. I just grab it and walk out of the house and just eat it. I have a lot <laughs> of friends here with backyard gardens. So when it's cucumber time of year, I've, everybody gives Josh a bunch of cucumbers because yeah. I eat the heck out of them. Yeah. I love them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and my friends, uh, the springtime is almost here. If you, if you hear our voice and you have a lot of cucumbers, just give me a call. So yeah, Facebook me. Yes. I'll come and get it. So, so definitely <laughs> I, I eat a lot of them. So talk about that. Uh, so along this, uh, this journey, um, from running, um, more than, you know, four, 400 pounds, then, mm-hmm. then start running, then go on this diet. Uh, let's just focus in, in, um, uh, this part of the interview is more towards, uh, uh, your, your journey as a whole from, diet and exercise and the Mm -hmm. mind. I guess uh, those are the three Mm -hmm. factors of of your success. Absolutely. Uh, Let's focus on that. Um, uh, How long it has been? You said 2010, correct? So it's been a, what, eight years journey so far.
1: Yeah, I I was toying with the idea of making myself better in 2010. But really, I was applying what the Saints had inspired in me by winning the Super Bowl to finishing up my college degree, you know that's where it started i was i was going back to school as a non-traditional student and i was learning a lot and i was in my junior year when the saints won the super bowl and and so i was like you know what i just like i was talking about how I want to make Coach proud with the effort I put into my running. It all started with me after reading Coach's book in the summer after the Super Bowl with me going, you know what? I want to make Coach proud about – hypothetically, you know what I'm saying? I want Got to you. make Coach proud of me, the way I attack, how I finish strong in this in this college thing that I'm doing, this non-traditional, in this in this degree, earning this degree. I want to finish strong and make the guys that I look up to – proud of me if they ever knew I existed. Right. And so that's that's the way it, it started for me was there. But I didn't start really going to the gym and trying to lose weight until February of 2011. So it's been it's been about about seven years now. Uh But yeah, I, it took me probably three years or so to to really get down to a stable 190, 195 or so.
0: Got you. Uh, tell us about, uh, I mean, you know, this diet exercise and uh, mind-body, um, the whole whole journey that you have gone through. What is the most difficult part? Was it a point where you just uh, didn't see any progress? You want to give it up uh, because a lot of time, you know, mm-hmm. you know, bad habits starts back again, you know. Were you strong enough to continue or their point? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at now, yes, but but was there low? Sure. Let's talk about the lowest of the low.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So the lowest of the lows were obviously, you know, before I got started with all of this, Uh, that's when like I remember times just standing in front of my bathroom mirror naked, holding my belly with both arms, like just imagining what if I could just tear it off like Velcro was holding it on me. And I used to grab my belly and pull it up tight in between in my arms and then turn sideways in a mirror to see what my profile would look like from the waist down if I didn't have a belly like I would. And so and I would just I would cry and look at myself and go, what did you do, man? What did you do to yourself? What's happening? And those are some really dark times. And, And so what gets scary is, you know, as a big, heavy, fat person, like we always lose we would always lose weight. Like, heavy people have lost more weight than anyone. We would lose weight, put it all back on, plus a little. Lose weight, put it all. And so what happened to me, after I had lost about 100 pounds, after uh, I started in 2011, so between the first Crescent City Classic and the second Crescent City Classic, I got to that 100-pound weight loss mark. And you get all of these kudos and congratulations, you've lost 100 pounds. And you start to, believe, you start to drink your own Kool-Aid a little bit. Like, yeah, you know what? I lost. Lost 100 pounds, and you tend to forget about the 120 left. That hasn't been lost yet. Gotcha. And and you start to slide a little bit. And so that entire year after of 2012, after that first Crescent City Classic, I sort of floated around, went up and down, up and down, up and down. And, and I really felt myself sort of tipping, like I was starting to slide backwards a bit. And then what, what accidentally happened, and I finally broke through that plateau that had always stopped at before i finally broke through that plateau by changing and the plant-based diet is what really broke me through plus the love of running and the community that i was starting to build around the running and then eventually the community around the plant-based diet but the running community itself i was starting to identify as a runner i want to be a better runner and so that was helping me with the mindset of why i want to get the rest of this weight off of me right in the menu department on what it was I was actually eating that the epiphany came in meeting a a wonderful, wonderful woman in the plant based movement named Chef AJ. Uh, I went and I saw her speak at the New Orleans Veggie Fest. In, uh, in 2013. And she talked about caloric density, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't understand a lot about all of that. And when she talked about caloric density, it all resonated with me and it all made a lot of sense. So here it is in a nutshell. All animals have a certain volume of food that they have sort of evolved to eat in a given day if available to them as a natural sort of normal, right? Mm-hmm. And for the human being, like so for an elephant, it's hundreds of pounds of food a day. For a tiger or a lion, it's so many pounds. If you're feeding Mike the tiger at, at LSU, you're going to feed him so many pounds of food. So a human being is really evolved to eat around three to five pounds of food per day. That's kind of our bailiwick if you will, like that's what we do. And that's where we gravitate as a default, three to five pounds of food per day. Now in that three to five pounds of food, it can be vastly drastically different in the amount of calories that you consume. Okay. And so what, what chef AJ taught me was the caloric density chart, the scale. So there's a scale that tells you foods per pound how many calories per pound they are okay and that really resonated with me it made sense it was like oh and her thing is fill up on the the foods that are 400 calories a pound or less first do those first and then eat your refined grains if you have any whole whole wheat pasta whole wheat breads and those types of things keep those minimal but what you can eat to the left of the red line which is where she draws the line is at the 400 calories per pound mark eat as much of that stuff as you want and as a fat person eat as much as you want is like okay hell yes (laughs) amen I can do that. I've been eating as much as I want all my life. And so when she gave me that sort of that uh, bullseye, if you will, of foods that I could eat as much as I want and it wouldn't hurt me, that really helped me a lot. And so that's where and what happens as an accident in that is you get a lot more micronutrients and phytonutrients in your diet. You also get a lot more fiber in your diet. All of these things are wonderful for your gut health and your overall, you know, just functionality of your human body because you're really right in the vein of what you have evolved to be doing. And so understanding that stuff at my really at that plateau, it was just the perfect timing because understanding that caloric density stuff with where I was in my running Uh, arc, if you will, that really helped me finally break through what had been a glass ceiling of weight loss up until that point in my life. And once I understood, oh, okay, if I want to eat without counting calories, then I need to eat big bowls of things like steamed kale with black beans and rice and maybe some sweet potato cut up on top of it and some onion and stuff. I can eat that. I can eat that as many bowls of it as I want, as big as the bowl as I can stick into this body, as full as I want to get, I was pumped to be able to eat and get super full and not overdo it on calories. And that is how I really broke through that. And that was a big, big epiphany for me um not only in the weight loss journey but in the overall health outcomes of my body you know
0: definitely sounds like you have broken through so many barriers in life uh tell us about uh, you i think you've mentioned so many times what really really and deep down what motivates you uh beyond losing weight what what is that one thing that motivated you to take this journey taking whatever you have done so far in your life
1: wow Yeah. So what motivates me today isn't the same thing that motivated me back when I was getting started. My motivation is constantly evolving and and swirling and morphing. Right now, what motivates me and keeps me turning and burning and pushing and striving is – helping other people break through their plateaus. That is what really sets my hair on fire these days. And so me being um, a competitive runner helps in that. Me being uh, as fit and lean as possible helps in that. Uh, me being as transparent and open and honest as possible on social media about how I live my life helps in that. Right? And, and so that's really what drives me today. But it has changed from You know, the the original motivator for me was I was scared to put on a suit. Um, my senior year, you know, so I wanted to lose weight to get there. And that's where I started moving. The needle was back in February of 2011. I was scared to put on a suit because I'm so fat. I didn't want to stand in front of people with my shirt tucked in and a tie on and a suit jacket and all of that stuff. So that motivated me to do something. Then from there, you know, I was motivated. So the motivation morphs and changes and evolves from there. It motivated. My next motivation was, you know, I want to finish a race. This sounds like really cool to go do this Crescent City Classic thing. And then the next motivation was, holy cow, I'm plateauing. I need to do something about it, right? And then my next motivation was, oh my goodness, I figured out the plateau thing. I want to be not only a marathoner, I want to be a fast marathoner. I want to get under four hours. I want to get under 330. I want to get, I want to Boston qualify, which I haven't done yet. And then the next motivator was, holy goodness, I want to I want to be an ultra marathoner, just like what I read about Scott Jurek, you know, and Rich Roll and Brendan Brazier and all of these guys who had influenced me. And I still want I still want all of those things. I still want to be I still want to look good in a suit. I kind of do right now not to be arrogant, but I, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of myself right now with my wife. My wife definitely looks better than I do in our dress clothes. But I look pretty damn good in a suit. (laughs) Um, I'm not the fastest guy in the world, but I can run a pretty strong marathon. I've run a 100 mile race. I've been on the podium several times. I've even won a 50 mile race. I've won a lot of 5Ks. So, those things I've gotten there, I still want more from running. But right now, sort of the new territory, so to speak, is can I really make a difference for other people? And that's. That's what's got my hair on fire these days
0: definitely such an important message. Um I, I try to do the similar thing try to help others to reach their goals as podcast and and uh, Facebook and everything I do kind of revolves around that if I can help mm-hmm. one person go out and do something better for them it's a it's a great achievement for us uh, uh try to motivate others I mean you know I don't consider myself an inspirational person but I know people get inspired from things I do I think I'm I'm going go a little crazy in things but I
1: think stories are inspirational and we all have an amazing story. Every human life is a diamond, every human life is a snowflake, every human life is different, and a story worth being told, and its inspiration to many folks um and and so i would i would I would challenge you on the point that you're not inspirational uh the fact that you're putting yourself out there and doing something like this podcast and going and and, and achieving and, and Boston qualifying I think you I think you're absolutely an
0: inspiration thank you thank you for that um I was gonna one other thing that I was gonna ask uh, uh tell us about you the community that you're building I remember you mentioned that uh, in the Louisiana marathon uh, yes. let's briefly talk about that that uh, the community that you're building around yourself. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I tried to do, a community build a community around me. So that sure. helped me, helps them, helps everybody.
1: Isn't it right? Like right. It's the most selfish thing you can do is help other people because it feels so good and it helps you stay in the vein of doing the right thing. And and so that's just what it is. And, and I don't really think of myself as a builder at all, a builder of a community at all. What I think of myself is just as a part of it. Absolutely. And this thing that has happened to Missing Chin's Run Club has been something that's been amazing. Something I never, I would never in a million years thought it would have grown into what it has become today. But it's just this organic community of guys like myself, uh, who are weight loss, quote unquote, success stories and mixed with guys who want to be Quote unquote success stories and everyone in between. And we call ourselves the Missing Chins Run Club because when you're fat, you got extra chins. And when you lose the weight, those chins go missing, right? (laughs) And so we're the Missing Chins Run Club. Whether our chins are already missing or we have aspirations to get our chins to go in to find our chins on the back of a milk carton one day, (laughs) (laughs) Um, we all. Have either been there or want to get there. And so we really feed off of each other as a group, as a whole, as a co- collective community. Um, and I, it's just a beautiful organic thing, um, that, that I'm a part of and I'm, and I'm, and I'm extremely proud to be a part of it. There's a bunch of amazing stories in that group of guys, man. It, it, it's mind boggling.
0: If people want to join your club or or community, how, how can they do that?
1: Well, I hate to even say it, but you first of all, it's a secret group. Um, so we're very uh, we're a secret. So you can't really find us by searching us. Um, but if you really want in and you think you would fit in, if you if you're we're mostly either ex morbidly obese people or currently morbidly obese people or somewhere in between where we've lost weight. Maybe we're at the hundred pound Mark. We still got a hundred to go and we're plateauing. And so we need to learn about caloric density and a plant-based diet and things to help us push past that glass ceiling of weight loss. Um, so if you if you feel like you fit in, if you fit that, please just message me, get on social media, find me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook and message me. And, 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 um, I get back to I've got a whole bunch of people I haven't gotten to lately since being on the Today Show recently. (laughs) So I've been sort of inundated in my messages, um, but I will get back to every single message that is sent to me. Promise. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested, message me. And I promise you, if you fit the bill, we'll put you in the Missing Chins Run Club. Um, But but we don't do the work for you. We're just a community. You still got to get your butt out there and do the damn thing, you know?
0: Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Josh, uh, it was great meeting you at the Louisiana Marathon and now talking to you, l- learning about your journey, uh, not only uh, um, running and going from losing. To, uh, 230 pounds but also going on a plant-based diet and and also m- motivating me to look back into the things that I have i did in the past and uh, try and try to change a little bit to go back a little bit plant-based, uh, more veggie, and uh, eat correctly, eat more green. I guess that's that's the message I'm getting mm-hmm. from you. And uh, before we close our interview, give us a word of advice to all the listeners who listen to you, inspire them, tell them to take that step, that unimaginable step that you have done to change them, to change themselves. Uh, it, it, either it's a through exer- uh, diet, or exercise, or anything else they want to do in life. I mm-hmm. uh, give a word. Give us a word of advice. I'm going
1: to take that statement quite literally. And I'm going to give you a word of advice. And it's do do. If you think you if you think you see something that might work for you, do it. Do it. Get up. I didn't know what I was doing when I was when I started running. I didn't know what I was doing when I started wanting to lose weight, but I was doing every day. And I know now that the things I did in the beginning weren't the best. They were really wrong. A lot of them. But but experience is the best teacher. And the only way to get that experience is by doing. So if you got an idea and if you want to make some change in your life, then and you want to start running or you want to eat healthier, or you want to lose weight, you have to start by doing something. We got to get the trial and error started, right? So my one word of advice to everyone who's listening, who might be wanting to either become a more stronger runner or to lose weight
0: or to go vegan, do. That's a great word of advice, Joss. Such a great word of advice. Just do. Um, yeah. uh, do. Do. Yep. Um, I'm going to take your advice and uh, I need to change this 2018. Um, so many things to I want to change and need to do some of the correction. Uh, uh, we'll see. Hopefully we can talk more in the coming days so many mm-hmm. things we wanted I want to talk to you uh couldn't fit in in and in, 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 in our podcast we're a little over but but that's fine our listener will love it to listen to you uh if anybody wants to find you and the social media how how can they find you
1: Just my last name I'm very lucky I have a very unique last name which is Lajani L A J A U N I E um And my first name is Josh. So you can just Google me and find my website. And from there, please sign up for my email list. But while you're there, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Strava all from my website so go look me up my mama's gumbo is on on my website I have a pdf on how to attack the grocery store I call making groceries so you can kind of see like a day in a life of how I procure my food that I eat so if you want to know more about things I have some education tools some videos to watch to help you sort of educate yourself on a plant-based diet so to find me just find me with my name, joshlajani.com.
0: Definitely, and I will link it up from the show notes yes, uh, on emrons.com So thanks for your time, uh, Josh. Uh, it's a great pleasure to talk to you and uh, visit here. with you, and uh, we'll we'll catch up some, some races sometime soon. That sounds like a plan, friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Embruns Podcast. Please visit embruns.com to listen to previous podcast shows, links to our social media channels. Please follow Marathon Runs on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for recent updates, race photos, discount codes, and more.